0: Church, let me invite you to open uh, the scriptures with me once again to the Gospel of Mark, the second book of uh, the New Testament, Mark chapter 10, as we continue our message series uh, entitled The Servant King from uh, Mark's account of the life and the ministry, the mission uh, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world. You know, on March the 23rd, 1775, Uh, Patrick Henry stood before delegates to the second uh, Virginia Convention and called for courage and evoked awe with these ringing words. He said, give me liberty or give me death. And just this past week, we joined with millions of fellow Americans and we celebrated this liberty. We celebrated the freedoms that we have as citizens of of this nation And certainly, we thank God as people of faith. We uh, are led to deep gratitude for the gifts and the blessings, the provisions, the guidance of God in so many ways, and also for those who have served, uh, those who cast a vision for freedom and who served in various capacities uh, to attain it. We know that the cost of freedom was not free. As we gather as a church, as people of faith around Independence Day, we ought to be sparked with deep gratitude for the freedoms that we have, freedom to gather and to worship without fear of arrest or persecution, invoking in us a desire to intercede on behalf of others around the world who are not privileged to have such freedoms. The cost of freedom was not free. So we come together in a week like this, and certainly every week uh, we come together and we enter this place. We come as Americans enjoying such privileges, thanking God for them. And when we gather as the church, we're also reminded week after week after week that we are citizens of another kingdom, a kingdom that lasts for forever forever. And that in that kingdom, we also serve a king, a greater king, a king that has more authority than any earthly king and one who gives us freedom that never, ever fades away. But like the freedoms we enjoy as citizens of this nation, the freedom that we have in Christ is a freedom that is costly. It's a freedom that was not free. It cost the very life of the Son of God. Patrick Henry stood before delegates that day day, and he said, uh, he said, give me liberty or give me death. In essence, Jesus came and said, I'll give you liberty through my death. So today we open the pages of scripture again to look at the gospel, the message that brings us together as followers of Jesus. And we're reminded once again of the greatest price ever paid. We're reminded of the greatest sacrifice ever given. We're reminded of the truest servant of all. So would you join me standing for the reading of God's word? Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32, verse 32 through 45, the pages of scripture, the words of scripture, words of God read this way. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished. While those who followed were afraid. Again, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you have made yourself known to us, that you have not left us in the dark. That you have given us the message to receive and believe. You've told us about a savior to follow. Father, we pray that you would guide us by your spirit's presence now. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to respond to the truth of your word and walk in it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here in Mark's gospel, the story continues. The disciples are with Jesus, the original twelve that Jesus first called and invited to follow him and to learn from him, to see what he's about. Jesus continues leading them. He continues investing in them. He continues teaching them. He continues preparing them as they are on their way, verse 32. The disciples are on their way with Jesus. A key phrase in this central section of Mark's gospel, one that appears time and time again, they are on their way to Jerusalem with the mission of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world will be carried out. Like Derek Henry or Peyton Barber, powering their way strategically to the end zone, Jesus is purposefully moving toward Jerusalem. But unlike the glory of a touchdown, Jesus is going to Jerusalem ultimately to lay his life down. Jesus has come and he is determined to fulfill his destiny. He's determined to carry out the mission that he has been given from the Father. So, As we read this story, I hope you don't miss the determination of Jesus to give his life away. For Jesus' determination to give his life reveals the depth of God's love for sinners. Jesus' determination to give his life away reveals the depth of God's love for sinners, for people like you and people like me. So Jesus is with his disciples, and we read in verse 32 that Jesus is leading the way. He's leading the way. He's on a mission. I want you to know that Jesus is not soft. He he is a strong Savior. He is determined. He is in charge. He has a purpose and a plan, and He is going to carry it out. He does carry it out. We're told that the disciples are astonished. The more they spend time with Jesus, the more they hear from Jesus, they're astonished because they've already twice heard Jesus tell them what is coming, that Jesus is going to suffer and die. The crowds that follow are afraid, perhaps because many of them are still looking for a political savior, a political king and Messiah. And if Jesus is that figure, they don't know what kind of battle may lie ahead in Jerusalem. But even so, Jesus is resolute. He's determined. Hear his words once again, verse 33. He tells his friends, he says, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man Will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. In other words, you can almost sense that Jesus is conveying to his disciples at this point that this mission that is unfolding is not hypothetical. This is certain. It is going to take place. It has already been decided. This Jesus is going to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. It's not certain. It's not going to to happen this way because Jesus is a mere man that wants to be remembered in textbooks as a hero or a nice guy. No, it's going to happen this way because God purposed and promised it, and God is sovereign and always faithful to his promises. See, God predicted this long, long ago. Roughly 700 years before the birth of Jesus in the flesh, the prophet Isaiah spoke about this. The Lord spoke through Isaiah of a suffering servant who would come who would be a Messiah, who would be a Savior, who would suffer on behalf of God's people. Whereas Israel was disobedient, this one would obey perfectly. And by suffering, he would fulfill his mission. In the midst of suffering, Isaiah prophesies concerning this Messiah's words, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, because the sovereign Lord helps me, the servant says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. But through the witness of Mark, recording the words and the life, the ministry of Jesus, Mark identifies for us that that Jesus is that one. He's that Messiah. He is the suffering servant, and. Jesus comes and he says, even though I will suffer, I will do it willingly because this is God's plan for me. Like a rock, I will be unfazed. I will be unmoved by what awaits me. Jesus is headed to the cross. He tells his disciples in verse 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Remember as a kid waiting and waiting and waiting on Christmas to get here. Remember Christmas being, for most of us, some of the best times. Presents, stockings, cookies, no school, family gatherings. Wonderful times. But then as soon as it was over, 12 more months to wait. We hear the Messiah, this Savior, this King has been promised. He's been prophesied about. God's people have been waiting and waiting and waiting on the fulfillment of those promises on this one to come. And now he has finally come. The Son of Man is here. The one whose kingdom will have no end, the one who rules the nations has arrived in God's perfect timing. And Paul says it this way. In, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Well, finally, the time has come, God's predetermined set time has come, and Jesus is Moving to the cross. He's moving to Jerusalem to carry out the purposes that God has planned for him, sacrifice for our salvation. These things are coming about because God is faithful, because God is true, because God always keeps his promises. Friends, we can trust the Master's plan. Let's trust the Master's plan. He's faithful in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of despair, in the midst of grieving, we can trust in the Master's plan. We can trust Him because He is faithful to His Word. We can trust Him because He's working for our good. We can trust Him because He sent a Savior and a King to us to save us from our sins. Jesus says, I'm going to be delivered over. I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be flogged and mocked, spit upon. Ultimately, I'm going to be die- I'm going to be crucified. Why would God allow this? Why would God allow Jesus to suffer in this way? Why would He allow Jesus to be wrongfully accused by the religious elite, the self righteous religious elite of his day, and handed over to the Brutal, bloodthirsty Romans to be crucified. God would allow this. God did allow this for for one reason. Because he loves you. Because he loves me. Because he loves us. Jesus came and Jesus went to the cross. Consider the Savior's love. Church, let's consider the Savior's love. Despite our sin, despite our guilt before God on our own. God wants to forgive us. He wants to pardon us. He wants to free us from condemnation. He wants to reconcile us to himself. He wants us to enjoy knowing him forever. And because he is a God who's characterized by that kind of love for us, despite our our errors, despite our rebellion, despite us going our own way, he pays the ultimate price price of his son the price of redemption he pays the ransom elsewhere jesus says to his disciples he says greater love has no one than this one lays down his life for his friends john chapter 15 verse 13 jesus comes and he does just that he carries out that mission Jesus is telling his followers, I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to be killed. These things are going to happen to me, but don't be fooled. God is in charge. All of this under the sovereign hand of God to carry out the mission of the gospel. Jesus's determination to give his life reveals the depth of God's love for sinners. But even so, at this point in the story, the Disciples, the twelve, Jesus' friends and followers, are still struggling with this. They're still looking for an earthly kingdom with worldly values. What Jesus is saying is going to happen doesn't jive with their desires and expectations for his kingdom. Did you catch this conversation between James and John and Jesus? What do you make of this? I mean, can you parents imagine a child coming to you and say, "Mom, Dad, there's something I really, really want. Promise me you'll say yes." How are you going to respond to that? Some of us, perhaps, knowing our children, can imagine such an outlandish request. But these men, these are not children. Two grown men, two brothers in Jesus' inner circle of followers. Both of them ultimately becoming key agents in the spread of the gospel and the spread of the early church, the growth of the church. And they come to Jesus. They say, Jesus, when you assume your throne, promise us we can be your right-hand men. Make one of us your vice president and the other one your secretary of state. Give us positions of prestige and power, for we are your friends. And Jesus kindly, gently, patiently responds to them in verse 36. He said, you don't know what you're asking. You see, there is going to be someone on my right and my left but they are going to be crucified as criminals. You don't want to go there. I'm headed to Jerusalem where I'm going to receive the cup of God's wrath poured out on sin. Where suffering and death are going to overtake me like the waters of baptism. You don't really want to go where, where I'm going. You see, Pursuit of prestige and power is not the way of my kingdom, Jesus says. No, my kingdom comes through sacrifice. Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice provides the basis and model for kingdom living. His substitutionary sacrifices, sacrifice in our place, provides the basis, the foundation and the model, the example of, For us as his people who want to be part of his kingdom. Jesus continues to teach them. Continues to contrast the ways of the world and the way of his kingdom. Of course the other disciples, the other ten are upset when they hear what James and John has asked about. And rightly so, understandably so. But when Jesus continues to teach about. Service and sacrifice, he gathers all the twelve. Because greed is not a James and John problem, it's a human problem. Remember how Jesus responds when he's asked by the expert in the law recorded in Mark chapter 12 about the greatest commandment? Someone comes to him, Mark 12, 28 and following. He says, teacher, what what is the greatest commandment of all the laws of God? What is the most important? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. he says, the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Love God with all that you are and love others. If you do that, you will fulfill the desires of God's kingdom. you will characterize the ways of his kingdom. but the truth is that love costs something to love well always costs something to truly love someone we always make sacrifices. you have to make sacrifices for those that that you love, contrary perhaps to what we often think or Want to believe, those who know us well know that we are often difficult and draining to love because we have baggage, because we have desires and wants and expectations. We characterized by pain and sin. It doesn't cost that much to love someone who has no needs, but to love someone who has needs costs a great deal. It costs sacrifice. If you've ever raised kids, if you've ever cared for a loved one during a time of illness, then you know that true love is sacrificial love. True love is is costly love. And yet this is the kind of love with which God loves us in Jesus. Because we bring baggage, we bring sin to the equation. The tension, the turmoil, the disconnect of going our own way. Forgiveness always costs something. Forgiveness always involves sacrifice. But even so, God says in the gospel of Jesus, I will make the sacrifice. I will pay the price. I will give my life. I will do whatever it takes to ensure that you can be right with me. For this is love, First John chapter 4. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John writes Dear friends, believers, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, Jesus comes to love and to redeem the lost, He comes to sacrifice. His mission is to save. In Jesus, God demonstrates love through service, sacrifice, and salvation. God demonstrates love. He demonstrates His love for us. His love for you. His love for me. His love for sinners. Through service, sacrifice, and ultimately salvation on the cross. And then He calls us to these things. He comes and he offers us freedom, true freedom. Freedom to know and enjoy him forever and ever. Freedom to be in right relationship with him. He pays the price to purchase us, he pays our ransom, motivated by obedience to the Father and love for you and me. Don't you want to be loved? We all want to be loved. In Jesus, you are loved perfectly. You want to know that you're loved. Get to know Jesus. He is patient with us. See his patience with you. See the patience of Christ with you. For just as he looked at the rich young ruler in verse 21 and loved him, and just as He interacted with His disciples, James and John, in verse 36, with gentleness and kindness and patience, so is Jesus patient with you and me. He's patient with us because He loves us. Peter writes to scattered Christians, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness, Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. One day the servant king will return. We can trust the master's plan. The king is coming. He will come again. And when he does, he will separate his followers from those who are not. He will separate those who have repented from those who have not. And the only way to be one of His, to be one of His people, to be a follower of Jesus, to be reconciled to God is to claim the ransom. Claim the ransom. Claim the gift of Jesus' life, poured out on the cross for your sins and my sins to make us right with God forever and ever. Claim it through faith in Him. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom. For many. You see, apart from his sacrifice, apart from his payment, we are like slaves with no rights, no privileges, no freedoms, enslaved to sin, headed for the judgment of God. But even so, he has paid the price, he has made the sacrifice. And he extends pardon to whosoever believes in him. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave his one and only son that whoever, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Claim the ransom. Claim the ransom. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. See Christ's patience with you. Claim the ransom He paid for you. And finally, follow in the kingdom way by walking in humility. Walk in humility. Walk in humility as as the King of the world did. As God in the flesh did. As a follower of this Jesus, of this King of kings and Lord of lords, of this servant king, let's be people who walk in humility. The scriptures instruct us to that end. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and following. Do nothing, believers. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is the mindset that led him to the cross. This is the mindset that led him to continue on his way to Jerusalem. For in Christ, God paved the way. Leading the way. Demonstrating his love for us. Through service, sacrifice, and salvation. Friends, the cost of freedom has been paid. Let's live in the freedom of Jesus. Amen. Father, we give you praise today because there is none like you. You are the king of the world. You are the ruler over all. You hold the world in your hands and yet you love us beyond our comprehension. Father, we thank you for Jesus and the gospel of Jesus. Lord, help us to internalize that message day after day. Grip us with the truth of your love for us moment by moment. Lead us to follow Christ for his glory. Lord, lead us now as we respond to the truth of your word, as we declare our love for you and our willingness to follow you, our desire to know and enjoy you forever. Lead us to respond in a way that glorifies your name. Hear our praise now. Hear our confessions. Move us by your Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.